Well, good morning, New Hope. Glad that you're here with us this morning. Whether you're live or on the live stream, we're glad that you are here. Thank you for making it a point to meet with your God and to spend time with him and believe that he is going to speak to you here this morning. One particular day, his parents had warned him to be on time, but he arrived to dinner later than ever. He found his parents already seated at the table, about to start eating. He quickly sat in his place and then noticed what was placed before him. It was a slice of bread and a glass of water. There was silence as he stared at his plate, crushed. Suddenly, he saw his father's hand reach over, pick up his plate, and set it before himself. Then his dad put his own full plate of food before the son's smiling warmly as he made the exchange. When the boy became a man, he said, all my life I've known what God was like by what my father did that night. Now, obviously, we all did not have these kinds of interactions with our father. But the example in this story was an example of mercy, of the extension of mercy to another. Compassion, forgiveness is a picture of mercy shown toward someone whom it is within one's power to punish or harm. So that night, the dad could have punished his son by just allowing him to eat the bread and the water. But yet, he gave him a pitcher of mercy for the rest of his life by exchanging his son's plate for his plate. And it's a picture of what God has done for us in our lives with exchanging our sin with his son on the cross. I think if we all would think long enough, there have been plenty of times in our lives where we have needed mercy to be extended to us, where we needed someone else to have compassion on us, or to forgive us, right? As we will see in the story of Jonah today, we see that God has a measure of mercy for each one of us. Last week, when we started in the story of Jonah, we read how Jonah was called by God to go to the city of Nineveh and to bring judgment on the Ninevites, which were the Assyrians. And the last people that Jonah wanted to repent 
and be forgiven and turn to God were the Assyrians. The Israelites loathed, they hated the Assyrians. If they could choose one people to be destroyed off the earth, it was the Assyrians. And God calls Jonah to go to the city of Nineveh, the capital city of the Assyrians, and to bring judgment. And Jonah says, no, not going. Why? Because he thought maybe these ruthless, terrible people, maybe there might be even an ounce of repentance in them. And if they repent from their sin, from their cruelty of the nations around them, that maybe God would actually forgive them. And it's the last thing Jonah wanted. And so he decided to run the other way from God. And we read that he went down to the port in Joppa to catch a ship to Tarshish, which was 2,000 miles away from Nineveh, the farthest he could get. And we read in chapter one that as he is on this boat, God controls the weather. And there's a great storm where the boat is starting to take on a lot of water. And the crewmen recognize this, that they are going to go under and they realize and they find out that Jonah is the culprit of the storm, the reason why God is bringing it. And Jonah agrees as well. And Jonah says, throw me overboard and the sea will be calm. And so they do so. And as Jonah is going down into the depths of the sea, God sends a huge fish, it says, to swallow him up. And he is in the belly of this fish three days and three nights. And we get a glimpse of God's mercy, not for the city of Nineveh, not for the Assyrians, but for individually Jonah's life. And from that picture of God having mercy on Jonah, we as well have hope that God extends mercy in our lives as well, regardless of where we've been or what we've done. And why is it we can believe this? Well, number one, God knows us, so we matter. God knows us intimately, so we matter to him. Oftentimes we think that God is just interested in the crowds or the multitude. We see it in Jonah chapter one, verse two, where he says, Jonah, go to Nineveh, this capital city. God's just interested in the crowds. And in Jonah chapter four, 11, God says to Jonah, shouldn't I be concerned for Nineveh, a town of 120,000 people? And we think often in our lives that God is concerned with the multitudes or with other people and not so much our particular life. That he is not intimately involved with us. But yet throughout scripture, we see this thread of how God knows us intimately. And so we matter to him. We see it right away in the book of Genesis, chapter three. Genesis chapter one, God created Adam and Eve to be in an intimate relationship with him. They decide to reject that relationship, decide to sin, decide that, hey, we can be our own God, we can figure this out better than you, and they walk from God. 
we read that God pursues them in the garden. In verses eight and nine in chapter three, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? You see, God initiated, God was in pursuit already to bring the relationship back. And he wasn't asking the question, where are you like, where are you physically? God knew where they were. But it was more the question of where's your heart? Where are you? Because God knows us intimately. In Jeremiah 23, verse 23, 24, it says, am I only a God nearby, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? Can a man hide in secret places where I cannot see him, declares the Lord? Do I not fill the heavens and the earth, declares the Lord? We're familiar with Psalm 139, which gives us the, the most intimate picture of God's understanding of who we are on a day-to-day basis. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. Oh, that's concerning, right? I love the picture we get in John chapter 4. Jesus is walking through the village of Samaria. He interacts with a Samaritan woman who is at the well at high noon. Not the time you would be there. It's the heat of the day, but yet this woman had history. And so she didn't want to be around the villagers because they pointed and they gossiped about her. And Jesus is sharing with her how her life can be transformed, how she can have eternal life in him. And he lightly says to her, go, call your husband and come back. And she says, I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true, she said. I can tell you are a prophet. This, this, just this picture of Jesus is intimate with every scenario, every thought, every word in our life. Hebrews 4.13, no one can hide from God. His eyes see everything we do. God knows us. And so we matter to him. But secondly, we matter So God extends mercy to us. The Bible contains many references of God's mercy. Over 290 verses in the Old Testament point to God's mercy as he interacts with people. There are over 70 stories in the New Testament, new part of the Bible, of God's interaction with people and his extending compassion, forgiveness, mercy in their lives. We see God's mercy in Jonah's life. In Jonah 1.17, when God sends this huge fish, as Jonah was drowning in the storm in the sea, this fish swallows him and encapsulates him for three days and three nights. 
And it's a picture of God's mercy in his life. All of us in the room here have been in tough, brutal, difficult spots in our lives. Trials, hardships. And as Christ followers, if we claim Jesus as our Savior and Lord, there are typically two reasons why we're in these hard, difficult trial spots. The first one is, like Jonah, is discipline because of our sin. God is using discipline, a hardship or a trial, so that we would turn back towards him and turn our heart back towards him and walk with him once again. But there's another kind of hardship or trial that is not discipline. It might just be God pruning in our lives, walking us through a hardship or a trial so that we would mature in character and likeness like him so that we would bear more fruit. In John 15, one and two, it says this, Jesus is saying, I am the true vine and my father's the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. So as you walk through a, a trial or a hardship or a difficulty, two questions you can ask is, hey, is God disciplining me or is God pruning me? And a way to know the difference is to just ask God and to pray for two weeks. God, if there's sin in my life, if there's this hardship due to discipline, then reveal the sin in my life so that I can confess it and turn towards you. If you don't hear from God in two weeks, if he does not obviously pinpoint an area of sin, then take it as a time where he is pruning your life so that you will produce greater fruit as you live and recognize he desires to work in you. Why? Because you matter, both if he's disciplining or if he's pruning. He has created you to bear positive fruit, great fruit. And so he will pursue us. And to give a picture of that, I've invited Corey to come up and to share his journey of God's mercy in his life. Corey and I hang out on Mondays at 5.30 at Arby's here in town with a group of guys, and we uh, do life together as guys, and we get into God's word and uh, sharpen one another in that. But uh, Corey, why don't you share with us a little bit of how your life was like Jonah, how you were running from God, uh, and how God got your attention. Yeah, uh, growing up, I didn't really have much of a religious background. I uh, didn't really know a whole lot about Jesus, know about God of the Bible. Um, I was living pretty wild, recklessly. And uh, I was getting to the point where I decided that I've kind of had enough of this. And uh, I was looking um, to enlist in the United States Marine Corps. And I figured that was a good alternative. I mean, there's a little discipline there, some structure. And it was just something I wanted to do. I was kind of gung-ho at that age. Um, and come to realize that there was something else planned for me. So you were, you were ready to enlist. It was the day before you were going into the Marine Corps, yes. but yet 
uh, God had a, a, a different... Yeah, different agenda. Different agenda. <laughs> Something took it. place to um, rearrange that. Yeah, so I, the day before I was enlisting, uh, some buddies of mine, we got together, went golfing, and had a few drinks. Um, I had a, a racing four-wheeler that I took out, um, not thinking clearly, and I ended up crashing into a tree at high speeds. Um, and I got pretty messed up. I shattered my leg into 25 pieces, and I ended up t- tearing my femoral artery, um, which I was internally bleeding, which I wasn't aware of at the time of the accident. Um, so I was trying to figure out how I was going to get back home. I was quite a ways away from home, and, um, and I'm trying to figure it out, and, and I kind of just passed out. And I woke up uh, to blue skies, looking at blue skies, and I was praying to God, um, which is something I wasn't real familiar with, and just woke up. I'm praying to God. God, save me. Um, I need your help. And after a couple minutes of praying, I worked up the energy to drag myself to the neighbor's house, which they then called the ambulance, and um, I was in the ICU for, for a couple weeks. And, and after, after healing up a little bit, I went back to the, to the scene of the accident, and I realized how close, if I would have been an inch to the right or an inch to the left, I would have likely died um, because of hitting the trees. I, just, I hit the tree perfect, and I flew through a bunch of other trees, and I realized that uh, God had had something intended for me. He had a plan for me after seeing that because it was, it was really a miracle in my eyes that I survived that crash. So you experienced God's mercy in your life. What did that do to turn you then towards seeking him or to humbling yourself before him as your Lord and Savior? It, it, it took a little bit of time, uh, a little bit of time because I, I was very resentful that I wasn't able to go in the Marine Corps. Um, I was frustrated with God, like, God, why would you take away a dream that I kind of had? And, but through it all, he, uh, he, he did show me mercy. He, he saved my life and uh, in many ways, outside of just from that accident. And he, he brought a lot of good people into my life that uh, showed me a lot of good characteristics of being a strong Christian man. And, uh, and I just started to have a hunger for it, and I just wanted more of it. And I started reading the Bible a lot more. I started praying a whole lot more. And through all the praying, things started happening um, positively for me. Um, I've just grown to have great confidence in myself through God and, and a lot of joy and happiness in life and just peace, something that uh, was missing for a long time. Right, yeah. So on, on Mondays, we get together every Monday, 5.30. A uh, bunch of commuters meet you know, on their commute home and that. How is uh, just meeting with other men, uh, being in God's Word, just sharing life too, basic yeah. day-to-day life, strengthened your relationship with Christ and yeah, your, your growth? It definitely him? helps out. It's a great, uh, great group of guys to meet with, um, and it kind of gives me a sense of belonging and, and being around positive, good people, setting good vibes, um, and it, it allows us to... Uh, to talk about the Bible, to give different perspective and what um, situations, scenarios in life that we're faced with um, that God gives us and to know that even when we feel like he's not there, he, he really is there. He's always there. And you can't really run from God, I've come to realize, because he's always there. It's just sometimes he wants us to learn, you know, that and appreciate, I think, that when he is there versus when he's not there. Because, you know, sometimes he wants us to have, have some trials too, you know. And it's, def- it's definitely uh, it's a good experience, and I'm glad that uh, you invited me to come up there and join you guys. Great. Well, thanks for your willingness to yeah. just share Thank you. a brief slice of your story Great. and your journey. Absolutely. Matt and God's mercy, so Thank thanks. You. Appreciate it. And that uh, Arby's group, 530 on Mondays right here in town. Arby's is open to any guy. So uh, you can just come, 
buy your own meal, uh, but, no, uh, but we just sit around and do life together, right? But we get a picture here in the story of Jonah that, you know, we matter. Why? Because God knows us. God knew Jonah and extends individual mercy in his situation, even though he was running as far opposite from God as possible. And we just heard that in Corey's story as well. And because God knows us, he extends mercy to us. But lastly, what we need to realize is this. God extends mercy to us, but we decide to accept it. We decide to accept his mercy. We read in the story of Jonah that in chapter 2, verse 1, it says, from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God. And Jonah is recalling what was taking place as he was going down to the depths of the sea, as he was drowning in the waters, and how he reached out to God, and how God, by his mercy, sent the fish to swallow him. He says, from the depths of the realm of dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains, I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed I will make good, I will say salvation comes from the Lord. And here's a picture of God's mercy ultimately, and the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. His life was spared. A picture of God's mercy, but a picture as well of God's mercy extended to us. That God has compassion and forgiveness towards us. And I love the picture we get in John chapter 1, verse 12, Jesus saying, Yet to all who did receive him, Jesus, to those who believed in his name, Jesus, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent or human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Regardless of where you've been or what you've done, regardless of, in your mind, your list of sins that in your mind maybe you're thinking, I could never be forgiven. God would never accept me. I hear that often from people. God is saying no. Man, I was sending Jonah to the capital city of Assyria, Nineveh, where the people were ruthless, murderers, rapists, ruthless, giving them the opportunity to turn to confess, repent from their sin, and to be saved.
And God is extending that same mercy to all of us in the room here today. In 2 Peter chapter 3, the, the chapter talks about how Jesus one day will return and how the early church was getting impatient about, hey, Jesus, you said you were going to return again after you ascended into heaven and that we are going to like get on with this eternal life thing. But this is what it says in 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. He desires everyone to turn to him and be in relationship with him, to be forgiven of their sins, to experience the gift of mercy in their lives. And so he's waiting. He's waiting for us to receive that gift of mercy. He's waiting for the city of Cambridge. He's waiting for the city of Isani. He's waiting for the city of Bram. He's waiting for Isani County to repent, to turn to him, to receive mercy. And my question to you this morning is, is he waiting for you? Are you sitting here yet to have received his forgiveness for your sin, his mercy in your life? Why not today? And so as we close, I'd just like you to bow your heads with me close your eyes and if you have yet to receive his mercy in your life yet to acknowledge your sin and that you can't do anything to get rid of it only he can take care of it because he did on the cross through his death burial and resurrection that you would receive of eternal life And if that's your desire here this morning, then just repeat this prayer after me. Father God, I need your mercy. I got nothing. I can't pay for my sin. I can't stop my sin. I acknowledge Jesus, you as my Savior and Lord, that you paid for my sin on the cross. And Father God, because of that, you are extending mercy, forgiveness to me. I accept it. I accept Jesus as my Savior and Lord here today. Thank you, Father, for forgiving my sins. And that I am now free for eternity because of your mercy. In your name, amen.